Welcome to PICGO Happenings. I'm your host, Diana McFarland. I'm here to give you a front row view of county government. Welcome listeners. In today's episode of PICGO Happenings, we are going to talk about the general election coming up this November. And I'm sure most of you have seen the numerous campaign signs lining our roadways here in Pennsylvania County. And that is because the election this year is going to be huge. And to talk with us today about that election is our very own General Registrar, Janie Shorter. Good Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Happy to be here. Thank you. Thank you for joining us. Um, Shani, tell us a little bit about yourself first before we start talking about the election. Absolutely. Absolutely. I have a background in working in campaigns and in the legislature. I have worked for in the House of Representatives as well as the General Assembly and just was excited to start this new opportunity. I love the people of Pennsylvania County, so this was just a perfect fit for me. So, Well, we're so glad to have you here. Thank you. So this election, uh, you mentioned that there are 45 candidates. This is a record number. Absolutely. Can you tell us about what elections are up this fall? Absolutely. So this year is a record turnout, and we have members for the House of Delegates that are up in, in Pennsylvania County. We have three. You have the 51st District. You have Eric Zare, Kimberly Moran, and Matt Ferris. And then you have the 49th district, which is Delegate Danny Marshall. And then you have the 48th, which is Les Adams. So uh, that's also there is the Senate race, which is Frank Ruff, Senator Ruff. And he is running unopposed. But in addition to that, we have all the constitutional officers that are up this year. So we have Clerk of Court, which you probably all have seen their signs. And how many folks are running for that one? Yes, we have six people running this year. Full, full slate of a lot of different choices for the citizens to choose from. Definitely. We have the Treasurer's Office, the Commissioner of Revenue, the Sheriff, and the Commonwealth Attorney's Office. Now, all four of those are running unopposed. You also have school board options up that's, this year. That's right. That's right. School boards. Yes. How many How many seats are open for that one? There is four this year. Uh, they are all unopposed. Uh, there was a uh, option up in uh, Stanton River. Uh, the, one of the candidates did drop out yesterday. Oh, okay. Yes. So all of them are running unopposed. So you have Mr. Shields, Mr. Moon, Mr. Henderson, and Mr. Mills all running against Okay. And what's Board of Supervisors? That's up too? Yes. We've got a big slate of Board of Supervisor members up as well. And all of them actually are up this year, except for the Callens Gretna. Yes. And why, and why did that happen? Well, there was, so in Dan River, uh, with uh, the step down of Tim Cheshire. Yeah, Mr. Cheshire. Uh, he that opened up an availability for that. And so you have more people running this this year, you know. And we have the okay, we have the Bannister District too. Also has yes, the Bannister District as well too. Yes. And so we have two more offices that normally would not have been on the ballot this year that are Okay, and how many candidates total us for that one? We have 14 candidates available that, that are running this year. So it is Ooh. a lot. 
Yes, 14 just for the Board of Supervisors. Wow. Um, any other races that I'm that we're missing that I'm missing here? There's so many. Yes. So we also have the Soil and Water Conservation Board, and you can pick three, and we have three gentlemen that are running. So in town of Chatham, we have two people running. We have Mr. Hurt and Ms. Powell, and they will be running to fill the remainder of the one year left uh, on the term for when uh, Mr. Bell stepped down recently. Uh, we also have in the town of Hurt uh, several openings. We have two for a one-year term that is open, two openings, pardon me, for a one-year term that was open that's open and we have three people running for those two seats as well as a, th a three-year term that's open and we have three individuals running for that too so six wow a lot of choices it's wonderful i love it oh no it's good that people are stepping up to run for offices we always like that absolutely now depending on where you live in the county your ballot will have more or less on it. Can you talk about how the ballot's going to be set up? Absolutely, absolutely. So depending on where you live, what precinct you vote in, and that will all determine what choices you will have available. Uh, going back to HURT, they also have a referendum on the ballot this year, too. Oh. They are looking at possibly uh, amending their town charter so that they can have, so that it would go from six to four members on their town council. So that is a referendum item as well. So any town of Hurt residents listening, uh, just make sure that you look and review your ballot. So this, that ballot will be a front and back ballot. It would be very foolish. Is that common to have front and back ballots? It's not uncommon, but for Pennsylvania County, it's not something that we see very often. In fact, I worked with our vendors in creating this ballot, and we actually went to three columns. Uh, typically, it's two columns just to try and avoid and get as many things as we possibly could on the front page. But for the town of Hurt residents, they will have a front and back ballot this year. Now, how do names get ordered and, you know, they go down vertically, and who gets to be at the top? I mean, how do they order that? No, well, that's a good question. You know, I've had a, I've had people ask me that. Typically, it is done by the time that you file. Depending on when you file the first one that completes their information and files, usually is the first. The only time that that changes is if party they get a party endorsement. Uh, they, they become the Republican or the Democrat candidate, then they will be put to the top. Now, this year, the way that the state has ordered it, the ballot order is Republicans are on top and then Democrat. And that's all done through the Board of Elections, and that's decided uh, on an election-by-election basis. So you'll see anyone that has Republican uh, nomination or endor you know, the endorsement that they'll be at the top. I guess it pays to file early. It pays to file early, absolutely. And <laughs> I guess if your locality does the party thing, that's another advantage. Absolutely. Now I will tell you this, the only time that you will see that a candidate is a Republican or a Democrat is if they are running on a statewide campaign. So meaning like your constitutional officers, they might be the Republican 
that was agreed on by the party or the Democrat that was agreed on by the party. But by state law, we do not put that on the ballot. It is only if they are a state candidate, meaning House of Delegates or Senate and higher. So you'll see it, of course, for anything running for governor, lieutenant governor, attorney general. You'll see it there, but you'll never see it on the local election. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. So the, the person at the top, you don't know that they're at the top because of that. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. interesting. I did not know that. Yeah. So any questions like that, anyone can always call and ask, and I'll be happy to answer it. But they can also contact the party, the party chairs, and I'm sure they'll do advertising and, and let everyone know who they endorsed or supported or uh, chosen as candidates. So that makes it a lot easier, too. Somebody's out there and wants to vote, what are the options they have? And have things changed because of COVID? The great thing about in the last few years, we have gone to a more online uh, online portion. You can go online and register. You can register at the DMV. You can do it at social services. There's a lot of different ways that you can uh, get in contact and be connected with the democratic process. So uh, there's a lot of different options. After you've registered, you can also... When's the deadline to register? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So the last day to to register to vote is on the 16th of October. Oh, so people got plenty of time. They've got a lot of time, yes. Um, and then after you register, the last day to apply for absentee ballots, if that is something you want to do, is the 27th of October. Now, are there any requirements to do an absentee ballot, or has that been opened up? Actually, with a uh, recent uh, law change in the General Assembly, we, you know, it's, no, you, there's, anyone can apply for absentee ballot. Uh, the great thing, too, is another odd item that they have opened up is you can apply for what's called a permanent absentee ballot. So when filling that out, you can select permanent absentee. What that means is that from that point forward, you will be sent an absentee ballot. You don't have to apply for it anymore at that point. And so, and you also have the option that you can choose party designation too, meaning if there's a Republican primary or a Democratic primary, you can have those sent to you as well, which will be vitally important coming up for the upcoming presidential election that will be next year. So if that is something of interest to you or your family members, get in contact with us. We can send you one out. You can also go online as well. So is that the same as registering as a Democrat or Republican? In Virginia, we do not, you do not register as a Democrat. We have no party affiliations, unlike other states. The only thing is, is you have to decide and only pick one if you, if there is two primary, uh, you can't vote in both. So, so this is primary specific. Yeah, that's primary specific. Now, you know, if you are one party and want to vote in another, I've had people do that. I've seen people do that. So it does not mean that you are that party or anything affiliated with it. So yeah, that's the great thing about Virginia and the Commonwealth. Yeah, so one year you can vote in a Republican primary and the Absolutely. next year in a Democratic one? Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's vitally important for a lot of our citizens that are, you know, we have a good portion of our citizens that remain and continue to be an independent voter. And so the legislature and, you know, through their wisdom has decided that in the elect, which is the board of elections, that they give that choice to the citizen and the voters and not make them 
align and have to be a party voter. So there's also in-person voting that starts up this month. Yes, yes. So we are ramping up and preparing for the election. And one of the things that has come about over the last few years is early voting. And by uh, state legislature and uh, general assembly approval and signed by the governor, you can vote 45 days before the election, and that starts on September 22nd this year. So we're very excited. That's a Friday, and our hours are from 9 to 5 p.m., and so any citizen can come in and vote, and they, they can also do same-day registration. They can come in and, and vote as well. Uh, I'm on Saturday hours too. Though. Yes, yes. So we'll be open the last two Saturdays before election. And so you'll see us there with bright and smiling faces on Saturdays uh, from nine to five as well. So we just, we're very excited and hopeful to see a lot of our citizens come out. And we've seen this grow and grow every single year. And it's just a wonderful opportunity to, you know, give options to people that, you know, Sometimes voting one day a year becomes very difficult. And so the General Assembly has found it that this gives people options. And so we're very happy to to help our citizens and make it available to them. Yeah, a lot of people have jobs that are not quite so flexible. And Absolutely. Being able to come in on a Saturday is Absolutely. It's probably convenient. Absolutely. So once people have voted mm -hmm. and the votes are in, mm -hmm. oh, wait. Before we talk about counting votes, what kind of machines do you use? What Tell us about that process. Absolutely. So the county, we have a couple of different machines. And before I go on, I just want to premise that, you know, all of our voting tabulation machines are not connected to the Internet. I know that that is something that has been a concern, especially lately in the news. The machines that we use are made by ESNS, and they're basically called the DS200. They're voting tabulator machines. Basically, that's all that they're doing. It's a scanner, and it scans everything through and collects and holds the ballot, and it stays there until election day. If it's early voting, it stays there till election day. On the election day, at the end of the day, we get those votes out, and they're secured, and they go to the clerk of court where they'll remain. So. But people still use a little pencil to fill in the holes. Absolutely. Well, actually, pens. Pens. Yes. And just and one item to note, one thing that we do ask for all citizens come to vote, it's just the cheaper the pen is the best thing for these machines. There's the plain old black pens that we had in high school growing up, you know, the big sharp, you know, the little the big pen, pens. Gel pens? No, no gel pens. Gel no. pens actually oh, really? will, because of the scanning software, it scans both the front and the back of the ballot at the same exact time. And it tabulates it and computes it. One of the things that we ask is no gel pens and no Sharpies. And the reason is, is that can harm the roller. And because it's a high heat machine, it is not, it is very frowned upon. We don't, we ask, we provide pens for everyone, but you, everyone is more than welcome to bring their own pen. I do that myself just because I don't like germs. So, <laughs> yeah, that's another thing. But yes, yes, yes. But we do ask that it is just a black pen and fill it in the circle as best as possible. But you'd be surprised how sensitive these machines are. They can uh, detect just the, you know, very 
very little amount of ink marking that circle. So we run tests on them all the time. And in fact, we have a, we're statutorily required to do what's called logic and accuracy testing. And we are doing that uh, as statutorily required with the electoral board and by invitation of party chair, uh, they are invited to attend to observe, but basically they certify these machines. We bring the vendor in, they get certified, they get sealed, they get seals put on them with locks, and no one touches them. And the only, the only person that has the key is me. <laughs> so once all the votes are counted and everything's done, what does certifying an election mean? Yeah. So certifying an election is a culmination of the process that occurs um, at the canvas at the very end. So you have your election, you know, we have our 45 day voting period, then that stops the Saturday before the election, then there's Monday, and Tuesday on the 7th is the election day. So after we have the election, after 7 p.m., the election officers, the chiefs primarily, will print out the information that gets transmitted to our office and then they are required to bring everything back that night. Then the following morning we have what's called a canvas. At the canvas we tabulate all of the information that's happened that includes you know any kind of same day registration, provisional votes, things of that nature, and then at the very end, should there be no issues, uh, then the electoral board and primarily the secretary of the electoral board certifies that information. It gets sent to the state and voila. It's certification, yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so when the news reports come out and say these are preliminary tallies yeah. or uncertified, that's what that means. That means, yes. I mean, nothing is fully done until the electoral board has gone through this process now i will tell you this the canvas is open to the public anyone including candidates can come and uh, observe it it's very interesting to sit and watch yeah. and uh, if you're uh, if anyone or any of the listeners are interested you're always welcome to come it's typically the morning after the election we'll start that process yeah, it's very interesting. Yeah, we can't we can't sign off today without saying something about the two hundred and seventy people, poll workers who are going to be helping you run this election. Absolutely, absolutely. We are so blessed. We have an amazing team of individuals that dedicate their time to election day to ensure that it runs through, that it's fair, and that this democratic process goes through. And they dedicate their time, and it's a long day. As you know, polls are open from 6 a.m. to 7 p.m., but they're required to be there sometimes at 4.30 in the morning. So it's a very long day, and we are so appreciative of each and every one of our poll workers. They dedicate their time. You can't leave. Once you get there, you're in. Yeah. And it's a long day, but, you know, we get the same a lot of the same people year after year that just say that they love it and love being part of this process. And and we're so appreciative of all that they do because we couldn't do it without them. Yeah, we need them. Absolutely. Otherwise, yeah, who would do this? So thank you, poll workers, if you're listening. Thank absolutely. you so much. Absolutely. We're looking to have a great turnout this year. 
But as always, our office is always open. And where is your office located? We're on 18, we're on Depot Street mm -hmm. here in Chatham. And it's 18 Depot Street. And we're open every, every work day from 9 to 5. And if anyone has any questions, please give us a call. We're here to help. And what's your number? It's 432-7971. All right. Well, Shani, thank you so much for joining us today. You're so learned welcome. so many interesting things I didn't know about. Yeah. Uh, so thank you. You are so welcome. I look forward to meeting everyone. And like I said, if you have any questions, just ask for Shani. I'll come talk to you. All right. Great. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you for listening to Pitco Happenings. I hope you learned something informative. If you have a question or want to make a comment, give me a call or send a text to 434-489-8739.